Ready, set, go! Registration is now open for the Middle States Commission on Higher Education 2023 Annual Conference. It's in Philadelphia, December 4th through 6th, 2023, setting the standard transformation through accreditation. You don't want to miss it. Register now at msche.org. Surprise! We're taking the EdUp Experience podcast to Insights EDU. Join us for an incredible higher education marketing and enrollment management conference February 20th to 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Welcome back, everybody. It is your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. This is your special guest host, Dr. Michelle Cantu-Wilson, filling in today for the amazing, incredible, and world-famous Dr. Joe Salusjo. I serve as a trustee for San Jacinto College in Southeast Houston, and you can follow me on LinkedIn to see what else I'm up to. I am so thrilled to introduce our guest today, Edward Ed, sorry, Ed D. Hess, Professor Emeritus of Business Administration at Darden Business School at the University of Virginia, who is the author of the very recently and timely published Own Your Own Work Journey, The Path to Meaningful Work and Happiness in the Age of Smart Technology and Radical Change, a title that hits you right in your gut if you are anyone doing work anywhere. It is so nice to meet you, Ed. Thank you for joining us. I cannot wait to dive into your book and all of the things that you offer to our audience. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to a wonderful conversation. Well, Ed, tell me about this. Tell me what do you do and why did you write this book and why does it matter for our audience? That's a great question. Why did you <laughs> write this book? I wrote this book to help people from all walks of life to have meaningful work and happiness in the age of smart technology and radical change, to help people not be left behind or be overwhelmed by the pace of continuous change and automation, mm -hmm. because artificial intelligence is here and it is the, the scientists are overwhelming with respect to what they're predicting. In the United States, 25 to 47 percent of the jobs will be automated by 2030. That's a lot of jobs. All right. Yes. Uh, scientists have predicted that the average person will have five completely different new jobs every f in 20 years. Hmm. Technology is basically going to drive so much change so fast. We as human beings are not used to learning, unlearning, and relearning at the speed of change. We come out of schools knowing, we know. So we go out and we do our work. And most of the time that work is the same work over and over. Well, that game is over. Mm -hmm. That game is over because humans will have work going forward only if they can add value in ways that the technology cannot add value. And there's basically three ways. Tell us. Thinking in ways that smart technology can't think. Mm -hmm. Critical thinking, innovative thinking, going into the unknown and figuring things out. 
making decisions where there's not a lot of data. All right? mm -hmm. uh, so the very complex type of thinking that is, is, is needed. And unfortunately, in higher ed today and really in ed today, critical thinking, okay, is, is, <laughs> is lost. All right. Fertility mm -hmm. of students, the, for, you know, everybody wanting to be liked, everybody wanting to be nice to each other. But critical thinking is so important going forward. All right. Mm -hmm. You've got to basically make that transformation back. The second way we humans can excel. Building, caring, trusting, positive emotional relationships with other human beings. Mm hmm. Most work going forward will be work done in small teams. Small team success depends upon the quality of the conversations that the teams are having. Right. That totally depends upon whether we can get to what's called collective intelligence. The intelligence mm -hmm. of the group is mm -hmm. better than any person's intelligence. What does all that mean? All that means we have to come to the table all right, with quiet ego, quiet mm -hmm. mind, be ready to be a reflective listener and to be able to manage our emotions mm -hmm. and to be a reflective listener. So if you think about it, go back to higher education, you go back to public education. How many times or how often are there classes on how to be a reflective listener? Do we teach people how to manage their emotions, how to generate positive emotions, and how to basically manage negative emotions? Do we really teach people in today's world how to think? Do we put people in situations where they can be challenged but instead of having, you know, my ego, my big ego, so I got to be right, I got to look good, I can't look bad. And so what's the problem? We're not wired, we're not trained, we're not able really to be highly adaptive learners who can learn at the speed of technological change. All right, mm -hmm. chat GPT-4. All right, was the revolution in March. All right, chat five is going to be out by the end of the year. Chat, mm -hmm. chat six is going to be out next spring. All right, this stuff is moving so fast. So what, what do, how do teachers teach? What mm -hmm. do humans need to learn? And the first problem is, is that we have to basically accept the science of us. We are not wired to be adaptive learners. Our brain, we go out in the world and we seek confirmation of what we believe. Mm -hmm. It's really nice being right. It's, you know, <laughs> affirmation of our ego. Okay, I agree. Our story uh -huh. about who we are. Right? right. And cohesiveness of how our story works in the world. And so right. we don't go out there to stress test anything. We don't go out there. Let's go find out where we're wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we don't. We, we're 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 wired in a certain way, and when we are 
people basically disagree with us, we sort of automatic embrace the three D's. Defend, deflect, deny. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't ask the person, why do you believe that? Or where do you think I'm wrong? You know, you mm-hmm. can especially see it with men in, in meetings and everything. And, and with students, also, <laughs> they start leaning forward and the elbows go on the on the table or on whatever. They lean forward and they're leaning in because they're getting ready as soon as, and sometimes mm-hmm. they interrupt. But if they don't interrupt, as soon as you quit asking me the, you know, why do I do this? I come back and I tell you why I'm right. Mm. It's like you've been living my life, Ed. It's like you're in rooms with me in meetings all over the world. But that's, that's, (laughs) but it is you, you're, what you're addressing here, what I think is fascinating is, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying master humanity, master what it means to be a thinking, listening, adaptable, empathetic, um, humble human so that we can leverage the power of the team against the machine because we have what the machines don't like is that it yes you nailed it you nailed it okay and it's that in order to do that people have to learn how to take ownership of their ego yes mind their body their emotions, their words, their behaviors, their Mm -hmm. listening, their thinking, and as importantly, how to build caring, trusting relationships with other human beings. Mm -hmm. What's so fascinating is so much work is going to be done in teams. MIT did five research studies. Carnegie Mellon did three separate independent ones. So you've got Carnegie Mellon and MIT, which are two great engineering computer schools technology schools okay high high class Mm -hmm. and the goal was is five people in teams and they're given problems to solve and which teams performed at the highest level all right and the teams were mixed up there were teams with five women and no men four four men one woman mixed up all right Mm -hmm. This research came out, oh, probably about seven, eight years ago. The amazing thing was the best teams were teams made up of five women and no men. And all the products, all the research. You're triggering people here, Ed. (laughs) That's all right. They need to be triggered. All right. They need to be triggered. When keep going. Talking, this is fascinating to me. When I, when, I, when I was talking about this in in Seattle a couple of years ago with Microsoft and people, et cetera, and everything, you, 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 your reaction, I'm sharing your reaction, you, you were spot on. I was making all this statement. A woman in the back of the room raised her hand and said, Professor Hess. I have a question for you. I says, good. She says, if basically women are much better collaborators than men and most work's going to be done in collaboration, why do we need men? <laughs> and, you know, of course, in the, you know, I was there when it was, you know, there was men and everything. Oh, my gosh. Smart enough to say to her, well, 
What do you think? All right. That was an excellent deflection, Ed. <laughs> it was an excellent uh, deflection. But the fact of the matter is that question is there. All right. Yeah. Because women are wired differently than men. Now, men can learn how to do that, and women have their own faults, which they need to learn. So it's, but the fact of the matter is, what's so mission critical is what men have to basically understand is your biggest competition is you, not someone else. Always. Get I love that, that centering get, of the challenge. Get that right. All right. Mm -hmm. Start working on you. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, and, it, and, and, it, and this doesn't happen. All right, in four months, five months, okay? The mm -hmm. reality of this, when you deal and work with very, very smart people, this is ongoing now for the rest of your life. Right. That you're constantly, all right, that you're basically trying to do this. And part of the challenge is, is that, think about it. How many classes in college or graduate school did you, in, in, you know, did you have with people from different areas and everything where you talked about how we should in how we should collaborate right what's our, what's what's our rules today what's going to be our listening rules mm -hmm. what's going to be our interruption rules mm -hmm. what's going to be our multitasking rules mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's what this is all about our biggest thinking void in our country is the lack of critical thinking, and our biggest human challenge in this country is managing our emotions. Should you register for the Middle States Commission on Higher Education annual conference this December 4th through 6th in Philadelphia? 100%. I agree, because the title of the conference is called Setting the Standard, Transformation Through Accreditation. There is no time like the present to explore opportunities in higher education and the future for our students and our business model. Get out and network with your peers this December 4th through 6th at the Middle States Commission on Higher Education Annual Conference. Attention. Are you ready to elevate your institution's marketing and enrollment strategies? Join the Edup Experience podcast at the Insights EDU Conference, February 20th to 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona. Don't miss out on this opportunity to hear from engaging speakers from industry-leading companies like Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, and higher ed leaders. Learn the latest marketing and enrollment strategies to grow your programs. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Attention. Right, right. And, you know, it makes me think about uh, the concept of, you know, in higher ed, we have so many content experts and we need them to be people experts, right? Um, we need them to address the the aspect of the skills the soft skills that our students have to master in order to work on these teams in the workplace and beyond and in communities right um and so what i was looking at is some of the concepts that you address in your book are things that uh, i've covered in courses as a college preparatory professor dealing with developmental education students where we have like how to college classes uh, and a lot of first year experience courses across the country offer this how to college and you address the things that we talk about in those courses, such as mindset, you know, growth mindset and fixed mindset. You address the idea of mindfulness 
which is, you know, an, an, an absolutely research backed tool, you know, if you think about meditation and the science of meditation, books like Altered Traits uh, and other books by Daniel Goleman, um, really good stuff, research-backed information that you offer us here. Um, so talk about why you included this type of specific uh, content and then explain to me the structure of the workshops uh, in your book, because that's where I think, I think that's where the meat of this work is. Well, if we start out with what's the purpose, all right, and the ultimate purpose is the goal of inner peace, mm. uh, to be able to bring your best self to your world each day. It's this inner stillness and calmness that enables you to go out in your most non-judgmental, fearless, quiet mm. ego, open mind, all right, and yes. enables you to learn, unlearn, and relearn into space of change. Well, how do you get that way? You have to rewire yourself right and, and and that takes deliberate practice the science of deliberate practice all right which was basically came from uh, the computer school at carnegie mellon which is very mm -hmm. interesting. all right but deliberate practice you basically embrace practices on a daily basis and you start out real small right because you have to learn and one of the key things to start with is mindfulness meditation mm -hmm. because to quiet the mind and be able to take ownership of the mind is mission critical absolutely and so you know you and so what this book has it's a short book all right mm -hmm. 127 pages but it's got 25 tools and practices which you uh, stated is based in science and the great philosophies, but it's got these 35 personal workshops. Mm -hmm. That's where you learn by doing. That's how you basically operationalize and start to learn how to meditate. Mm -hmm. uh, how, if you will, to uh, regulate what's going on in your body with deep breathing exercises. All right. How to basically get above yourself and manage your emotions. And all of those tools are there in the book. And that's the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is human development, human transformation. Mm -hmm. right? And all of it is science-based. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I had to learn this myself. I wasn't bored with this. Okay. I mean, I, I can remember when my, wife and I were early in our marriage and my wife is a scientist and uh, uh, multiple degree degrees in different sciences and um, you know I was a, a lawyer educated as a lawyer and we're having a conversation and she, she says wait wait a minute do you're getting sort of upset about this and everything and I said no I'm not you know, I almost said, just like I did it. I know I'm not. And she <laughs> says, do, do you realize that just because you emotionally feel something, you don't have to express it? You can wow. basically manage your emotions. And I looked at her and I said, can you say that over again? Mm. She said, You're, it is not automatic if you feel something that you have to operationalize it. 
you can take control of it. She says, you can take the power of pause. Mm -hmm. Okay. Deep breath. Mm -hmm. You feel yourself. And, you know, you know, I was in my early 30s when she said this. Okay. And I mean, you know, and I'm not bragging or anything, but I mean, I, I was very successful. I had great grades and great, all that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. I was learning, wait a minute. I never, anybody ever talked to me about the fact that I don't have to basically. Right. Pause. Right. Oh. And that was, that's, you know, and so what's so interesting is really and truly everything that any person needs to do, none of this is rocket science. It's having the discipline to do it. Mm -hmm. I would say half the people that I have worked with over the years, half the people always sort of have excuses about why they couldn't do it yesterday, but they'll do it better today or why they, mm -hmm. it's, you got to have that discipline and that deliberate practice. Right. That basically em, em, empowers people with the deliberate practices. And you start talking about great musicians, mm -hmm. right? How do they become that great when they're basically working on their violin by themselves? And how do they improve? Great mm -hmm. warriors, all right? Great athletes in certain professions. The National Basketball Association has so many of their teams have mindfulness meditation coaches full Absolutely. in the team. Mm -hmm. What's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is to train your mind and calm your ego so that basically, you know, just like when the, the great shooter can shoot from half court, mm -hmm. three-pointer, and shoot mm -hmm. 25 in a row. Where's that coming from? Great Total peace. Involvement peacefully with the self. Mm -hmm. That's deliberate and I, practice. Yeah, and that deliberate practice, I think, is... Um, I think it's couched well in your comment about not having to operationalize emotion. Um, and I love the way that you say that operationalizing emotion, because I feel like it'll hit leaders where they need to be hit. Um, if, if we're thinking like the way that I'm constantly thinking about higher education leadership, because that's kind of my, my forte as a consultant, um, it's really hard to teach past the ego. Um, and so what I see in your book is uh, the opportunity to do a private practice, mm -hmm. if you will, mm -hmm. um, a private deliberate practice on how to not operationalize in ways that hurt others, that detract from the mission, that um, redirect in negative ways. And in chapter 10, you talk about managing how you think, yes. which I, I think I think that's very inviting to people. I think, first of all, in a way, it stokes the ego right? because you're saying you're asking, you know, what your three questions for the journal practice in this are when do you think, why do you think and how do you think? And so I know it's funny to say this, um, Ed, but you make this so egocentric in practice, but it is so intentional in building better people. 
um, doing this practice, of course, is going to be very effective. But I also see the power in doing it as a book study for a small team, yes. which takes us back to leveraging the team against the machine, right? Um, so I, I think you were very strategic in creating something that invites even the most egotistical person to engage in self-improvement. You're, you're very astute and you're right. And one of the things that I try to get people to agree to is, especially with men, is they need an accountability partner. Mm. A, good, a good friend of mine and who's named the number one leadership coach in the world for 10 consecutive years. Um, wow. In fact, he's the lead endorser of the book on the front page, Dr. Marshall. Mm -hmm. When I got to know Marshall, we were talking, and, and this, this man is a very busy man worldwide. I mean, he's just, but he's a great human being. And he told me, he says, what keeps me grounded and keeps me in the groove is I have an accountability partner and she is a coach and every night, every day of every year, she calls me at a specific time and holds me accountable for how did I do my day on what I was working for. So if you got mm -hmm. the, you know, the, uh, you know, the thinkers 50 number one executive coach in the mm -hmm. world saying, I can't do this by myself. I got to have an accountability partner. So mm -hmm. I, I bought into that years ago and learned that from him. And I tell the people that I work with, you need an accountability partner. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need two. You may need one at work, but you also may need one at home. Right. And, and, and then they, many men say, well, I don't want to have one from home. I'll have it at work. I says, well, you can't have it with somebody that basically reports to you mm -hmm. higher up. So you've got to find somebody that you know from somewhere different that's going to really ask you, did you do this? Mm -hmm. What did you do differently than this? Mm -hmm. okay, now, what are you going to do about it tomorrow since you did this wrong today? Are you going to go make amends with the person? Are you going to basically go back to the team and say, let's reopen this? Right, right. And, and I think you answer uh, a challenge or you answer a struggle that most people have. You know, there is data that shows that um, motivation is the single um, most pervasive reason that students do not persist in college from their first year from their first semester to their second, or even throughout the career of their college, motivation, because motivation comes from the self, right? But you kind of flip that and say, you know, accountability is the way. Um, having someone that is objectively going to hold you accountable um, consistently. Um, and and I, I really like that idea for the workplace. I like this idea for students. I think it works well for, for teams. Um, and and I like the hopefulness of it as well. I, I like that it is a positive book and that is very encouraging. Um, so tell me, what are we missing here? What is something that you would like the audience to know uh, that we haven't covered about this journey 
uh, about, you know, the, the information included um, or any final messaging, you know, that we haven't touched on? I would, I would like to invite people. I have seen and work with so many people who have, when they do the work, are so, their life has changed so much. That's wonderful. For the good. And that has nothing to do with me. They did the work. Right. I mean, it's, this is not no ego here, but I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was uh, a quick story. Um, mm -hmm. Doing a consulting work with um, a, a subsidiary of a public company and the top 10 people came to spend a week. Uh, we spent a week introducing this. Okay. And the third day, and then this, and this group was, it was somewhat advanced okay they did mindfulness meditation at the beginning of each meeting they did a check-in at the end of each meeting etc but you know they still were young at this mm -hmm. and so the way i remember this it was a wednesday we started on a monday wednesday we went around the room check in where's everybody and the head of technology the head of technology said you know, I, I when we started this out, I I wasn't bought into this stuff, mm. uh, which took courage for him to say that. And he said, but something happened last night. You know, and no one else would say that. I says, yes. I didn't say what. I said, yes. Trying to find it. Well, I called home, and we had studied reflective listening on Tuesday. I said, yes. Yeah, I called home and I had my notes written down. And I had a wonderful conversation with my children and with my wife. I said, that's wonderful. What do you mean by that? And here's this technology guy, smart as a whip, educated as whatever. All of a sudden you can see him. He's quivering a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, can I share i said of course you can share that's why we're here and the ceo said of course you can share so the ceo knew to give him mm -hmm. and he said at the end of my conversation my wife said to me i don't know what you're doing at that meeting but you need to keep doing it because that's the first time you truly listened to your children and me you were away at business Mm. And he started yeah. crying in the meeting, people. All right, in tears. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's what can happen. Mm -hmm. Change. He changed his life because he took ownership. Right. All right. Right. What I'm offering to people, and what you offer to people, is what you do. Okay, because clearly you, you're into it. You you do this. All right. But is we're offering them opportunity. Mm -hmm. They have to embrace the opportunity. Probably, I mean, a substantial number of people that embrace the opportunity lose it. Okay, they don't right. have the rigor. They don't have the accountability partner there. But but when they keep it, 
and those that keep it mm -hmm. say it's the best thing ever happened in their life. Wow. And that's what we're talking about. So we're going now into probably other than artificial intelligence age, the smart technology age is is going to be the most disruptive thing in the United States since the Industrial Revolution, all right? Right. But in the world, it's going to be the most disruptive thing probably in a long, long time, okay? Right. Maybe, okay, the atom bomb was, but it was limited. This is going everywhere. Right. The key thing for people to understand is it is here, it is coming, it's coming faster than you think, and everybody has the opportunity to take ownership of themselves, ownership of how they learn, ownership mm -hmm. of how they talk, everything, and you have choice. And what you do with your work is you give people choice. What I right. do with my work is give people choice. Right. And help them with the tools to implement the choice. Mm-hmm. Well, the tools are certainly here. Um, I think that this is a, a timely read. I think that it is uh, a very welcoming read. You feel at home once you start reading because, Ed, you talk to the reader um, as though they're a friend. Um, so it is a very warm feeling to, to run through this and engage in these workshops. Um, so I'm going to just ask in one minute or less, because um, we're running out of time, what do you think... Um, is the future of, now we talked about this question before, so you answer how you want, uh, higher education, and you mentioned public education. What do you think is the future of education? It has to be transformed. It has to be transformed for this new age. Beautiful. What what got us here won't get us there because mm -hmm. the speed of change and the type of change and what humans are going to need to learn. Mm -hmm. Humans are going to have to become highly adaptive learners who can learn, unlearn, and relearn at the pace of technological change. Excellent. And, you know, that's not 30 students being lectured to in a classroom. It's going to come down to, um, you know, small teams and workshops and collaborative mm -hmm. stuff, uh, going out and trying things. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be very different. Right. And the challenge is, is the way we're organized as a country the way we're organized politically, all right? It takes it takes us a long time to basically institute change in education. Mm -hmm, it does. We have a long time. We do not. Okay. We got max seven years. Hmm. Okay. By 2030, it will be a completely different world. And the really bright people that I follow in this, the technology people, they now are saying five to seven years, not 2030. Right. right. And so, that. yeah, there is definitely that sense of urgency. Um, so if you think about it, I mean, I've been in academia 20 something years. Uh, you know, I spent 20 years in the business world before. I mean, academia is not designed for... Mm -hmm. What we're talking about public hmm. schools are not designed mm -hmm. so how do we change this quickly where's the money come from mm -hmm. right? et cetera et cetera right that's the challenge that we've got 
to face because I tell people in, in my view, it's my humble view, you know, the, you know, we're in a big race between Google and Microsoft for AI. We're in a right. big race between China and the United States for global leadership. Mm -hmm. If you think about how we're organized, we've got to figure out how to get this stuff done faster. Right. And it sounds like you bring it down to the power of one, um, which is where change begins. And so I just want to say thank you for this interview. It certainly has been very thought provoking. Um, I have enjoyed reading the book and I encourage others to get it. Uh, it is called Own Your Own Work Journey, The Path to Meaningful Work and Happiness in the Age of Smart Technology and Radical Change. We have been speaking to Edward D. Hess, uh, Professor Emeritus of the Darden Business School at the University of Virginia. Ed, it has been a pleasure. And to our audience, I just want you to know that uh, this has been the Ed Up Experience podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great afternoon. You've just Ed Upped. Oh, yeah. The Middle States Commission on Higher Education 2023 annual conference is in Philadelphia, December 4th through 6th. Setting the standard, transformation through accreditation. Remember, only you can create transformation through networking, knowledge sharing, opportunity, leadership, service, learning, and accreditation. And you'll do all those things at the Middle States Commission on Higher Education Annual Conference this December 4th through 6th. Can't wait to be there. EdUp will be there. There's going to be over 1,300 attendees, presidents, provosts. The networking opportunities are off the chain. Register now at mshe.org. Oh, yeah. Attention, higher ed marketing and enrollment management professionals. We are taking the EdUp Experience podcast to Insights EDU. Join us at Insights EDU on February 20th to 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Gain insight into the latest higher education trends and cutting-edge marketing strategies that will take your institution's enrollment to a whole new level. This is your opportunity to connect with higher education leaders and marketing experts from across the country. Comprehensive presentations, engaging panel discussions, and more. Insights EDU will equip you to position your institution for growth. Register now at insightsedu.com and use the code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Can you afford to miss this conference? I don't think so.